rethinking our work. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 through 9 is what we're going to take a look at this morning. We just studied uh, uh, the book of 1 Peter. And as we were going through 1 Peter, we talked about persecution and so forth. But we also talked about the upside to that, if there's an upside, that how God can use that to help strengthen, to purify our faith, and to make us stronger. Last week, we talked about Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the discipline of the Lord, and how sometimes that comes through challenges, trials, and so forth that we face in this life, and how that can also make us partakers of His holiness, and He can work in us and through us to help shape us into His image. So to go along with that idea... I want to talk about Ephesians, the sixth chapter this morning, and talk about work. And so the title of our lesson this morning is Rethinking Our Work. Ephesians chapter 6, at verse 5, it says, Bond servants, New King James, I think Colby read from the New American Standard this morning, it says slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as unto Christ. I'm going to go ahead and put up this introduction slide if it works. Maybe. There it is. And the four points we want to take a look at this morning is rethinking our work, rethinking Jesus at work, and then rethinking our role, and then rethinking masters. And that fourth point will be kind of quick. Uh, Masters and their role. So rethinking our work. In verse 5, it says slaves and masters. We translate that into modern-day terms, and we talk about employees and employers, or employees and their bosses. But as we start to give consideration to this, I want to draw your attention. I'm not going to turn there yet, but I just want to draw your attention to Genesis, the second chapter, in about verse 15. Because in Genesis chapter 2 and about verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took man and placed him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. Genesis, Ephesians. We'll see how that kind of fits together. First off, several years ago, probably 30 years ago, I was sitting in a room like this, probably more than 100 people were there, and the topic that was being discussed was work, our careers, our occupations, and so forth. And the question that was asked was this very simply this, are you satisfied, are you happy with your job? Now in the context of that, what was being asked was, do you find fulfillment Do you find satisfaction in the job, the career, the occupation that you have? And out of that hundred plus people, there was clearly less than half, way less than half, (laughs) that raised their hand to indicate, yes, I feel fulfilled, I feel satisfied, I'm happy with the career. This is just kind of what I always thought my occupation would be and the way it would be going. A lot of times, 
And that's not a scientific survey by any means. <laughs> but I think a lot of times people express dissatisfaction with their work and with their occupation. It has been said, think about this. It has been said for many, work is not just a search for daily bread. It is a search for daily meaning. For many, work is where I find meaning in life. For many, work is where they find their identity. So you follow what I'm saying? I'm not really happy. I'm not finding real fulfillment, real meaning. I don't necessarily identify with my work. But two questions. The first one is this. Is that where God intended for you to find meaning? Is that where God intended for you to find identity? So here's the other question. Can you tell me who you are without telling me what you do? Think about it as we take a look at this. Back in the book of Genesis, now I want to turn there. In Genesis 2 and verse 15, it says that the Lord took the man and placed him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And those words tend and keep means to cultivate, to watch over that garden. But in Genesis 3, verse 17 and 18, now I want to read this. This is after they had sinned. In verse 17, he says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. God took the man, placed him in the garden, told him to tend it and to keep it. They sin. And now, God says, Cursed is the ground. You are going to toil, verse 19, in the sweat of your face or in the sweat of your brow, you shall eat from it. And thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth. God gave man work from the very beginning. But now, work, even good work, is going to be hard. It's going to have some challenges. So I want you to think about this. When he says it shall bring forth thorns and thistles, thorns and thistles is not just thorns and thistles. It may have been at that time, but there's more to it than just that. In Ephesians 6 and verse 5, it says, Slaves... Be obedient to your masters. Employees, be obedient 
to your bosses. Now, here's another question for you. Is that always easy? <laughs> and sometimes do you think that boss is a little challenging? Or the work that he's given you is a little challenging? So let me ask you this. Do the thorns and the thistles ever start to seem to kind of pile up on you? And what happens when the thorns and the thistles get to be too much for you? So when you're at work, and you're going about your job of tilling the ground, so to speak. Do you ever look at a co-worker and think, you're a thistle <laughs> on your way to being a thorn? <laughs> or maybe your boss <laughs> is a thorn. In Ephesians 6, and verses 5 through 9, what God does for us spiritually is helps us to understand how we deal with those thorns and with those thistles. Because oftentimes we read from Genesis chapter 3 and we read where God cursed the ground and we just think, well, there was a curse. And sometimes people have often have jumped to the conclusion that work is a curse. Sometimes we feel like it. But that's not what is stated in Genesis 2, is it? Because in Genesis 2, God took, Lord took, man placed him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. Man was to have dominion over the earth. God gave him that from the beginning. But now, as you have dominion, now you've got challenges to go along with that. So now it's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. Do you know what thorns and thistles do? They just kind of present the challenges that we run into. So you know what God was saying to Adam? Adam, you've always had a job. But you sinned. And sin, Adam, sin changes everything. Everything. And it changes relationships. And it changes your work relationships. And now, Adam, one of these days, it doesn't say it right there, <laughs> But, see, we have the advantage of reading now and looking back. One of these days, Adam, you're going to be looking for answers on how to deal with the thorns and the thistles. Ephesians 6 and verses 5 through 9 was originally written as it stated to slaves and masters. That was the cultural norm at that time. That was the Roman Empire. It's been suggested that as many as 50%, maybe more, of the people living in the Roman Empire were slaves. 
And so Paul writes to slaves and masters. And so even though history has changed, the culture is a little bit different now than it was back then. The principles that are taught there, they transcend time and culture. And they still make the application. Because today people still have jobs. And jobs can still be challenging. They can be draining. They can be stressful. They can be thorns and thistle infested. And so there's a curse. But there's also a blessing. Genesis chapter 3. God had a plan. He still wanted man to look to Him. Do you think when Adam was tilling that ground and trying to get it to produce fruit that he might be able to eat from it? Do you think he ever scratched his head and thought, how do I deal with all these thorns and with all these thistles? When you read Ephesians chapter 6, it's impossible to read it without seeing Jesus Christ in it. Because He's central to that message. And that's not a curse, that's a blessing. Someone once said that people oftentimes think that work doesn't have anything to do with our spiritual lives. <laughs> well, Paul says that it does. Somebody else said, Have you ever heard of take your son or take your daughter to work day? They said, You know what we ought to have? We ought to have a take Jesus to work day. Let's take him to our workplace and let's make the application. So rethinking Jesus at work. Ephesians 6 and verse 5 again. Slaves be obedient. Let me get back there. I'm still in Genesis. Slaves be obedient. To your those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as unto Christ. Paul says, with fear and trembling, with reverence for, as unto Christ. So Paul's saying one of the ways in which you address this idea of thorns and thistles in your workplace, I want you to see it first of all as an opportunity for Jesus Christ. Because he understands that obeying a master, obeying your boss, may at times be very hard. And you know, we might even think things like, I don't think he really, she really knows what they're doing. Or, I don't like this work that they've been giving to me. But what he wants us to realize is, in the latter part of verse 5, he says, As unto Christ. Obeying Christ is the essence 
of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So he wants us to keep that in mind. Back up to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll just read this right quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's doing there? He's doing pretty much the same thing that he does in every letter that he writes. In the first part of the book or the first part of the letter, he's going to write about doctrinal issues. And then in the latter part of the letter, he's going to make the practical application. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, even while you were dead, this is what the Lord did for you. You've been saved by grace. Verse 13, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying? I want you to think about what God did for you. Now, slaves, obey your masters as unto Christ. Does that give you a little different perspective? This boss is kind of hard to deal with. <laughs> These people that I work with, they're kind of hard to deal with. They are thorns and thistles sometimes. But he says, I want you to do this as unto Jesus Christ. With sincerity of heart. With fear and trembling. In Colossians 3, slaves obey your masters in all things in sincerity of heart, fearing God, with fear and trembling. That phrase is oftentimes used in the scriptures, oftentimes used by Paul. But the majority of times when that phrase is used, do you know who it's directed to? It's directed towards God. Instructed towards the Lord. With fear and trembling. I want you to do these things. Fear and trembling of your boss. Reverence and respect for him. No, I want you to keep in mind who your real master is. With fear and trembling towards him. With reverence and respect towards him. Because he's the one that's asking you to do this. Now we might stop and we might think, okay, I'm a Christian. This is what the Lord is requiring of me, asking of me. But, you don't understand the people that I work with. But, you don't understand my boss. He doesn't deserve reverence and respect. 
So you want me to show him, to give him something that I clearly don't think that he deserves? Yes. Why should I do that? Give him something he doesn't deserve. You know what that's called? That's called grace. Can you see that? I want you, Christian, to give him who doesn't deserve it something he doesn't deserve. Grace. Why? Paul just told us in Ephesians 2. You've been saved by grace. That's what was done for you. While you were in your sins. You didn't deserve it. But that's what he did for you. And now I'm working in you. And I'm working through you. And I want to show grace to that person or to those people. So he says in verse 5, with sincerity of heart as unto Christ. I want you to extend grace. And that's not just a mental game that we play. You know what that is? That's a kingdom issue. And he's the king. And he's saying this is life in the kingdom for kingdom citizens. You've been shown grace. And I want you to show grace. And you know why? Because grace is a tool. And that's the tool that I used to change you. And now you have become an agent of grace. And I want you to use that tool on that person. In Genesis 3, the ground was going to bring forth thorns and thistles. There weren't any true value hardware stores back in that day. But if there had been, you know what Adam might have said? Eve, I'll be right back. I'm going to run down to true value and get some weed killer. (laughs) And I'll just put weed killer on it. Sometimes men come up with their own ways to try to get rid of the thorns and the thistles. And God's saying, this is the way you deal with the thorns and the thistles. God wanted Adam 
to be challenged by this. You're going to eat of this ground. But now, it's going to be harder. It's going to be a challenge. So you know what that's saying? How do I get this ground to produce? I got to eat of it. And right now, it's covered with thorns and thistles. How do I get this ground to produce? You know what he wants? He wants us to find our identity. He wants us to find our meaning in him. So I'll use these thorns and these thistles. I'll show you grace. I want you to show others grace. And I'm going to show you how to deal with the thorns and the thistles. I'm going to put a challenge in there, Adam. Because I want you to look to me for the answers. So we have to stop and we have to think about our role. Now then, skipping down to verse 6. At verses 6 through 8. He says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. I want you to notice verse 8 first and we're going to come back to it. He says, Knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether slave or free. You know what that's saying? (laughs) That's saying that God will repay good with good. God will repay good with good. And so we have to stop and think. Even at work? Yeah. Even at work. So in verse 6, he says, Not with eye servants as, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Modern day translation. You don't have to run around just trying to make yourself look good. And you don't have to try and play office politics. Let God worry about that. You just do what I'm asking you. Keep your focus where it's supposed to be. So there's three phrases that Paul uses in this section, verses 6 through 8. The first one is found in verse 6. It says, doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. So what he's saying is, at your job, while you're tilling the ground, whatever that includes, your job is different my job, everybody's job is different. Whatever that includes, that's the will of God for you. 
You have a job. That's what it's saying. And it's God's will that you do that. So doing the will of God. And so here's work. And we think, seems pretty mundane. Let me give you this illustration. This goes back a ways. So those of you who are younger, and the kids that are here may have never heard of this character, so you may have to Google it. But back when I was a kid, this was a popular story. It was a children's story. Have you ever heard of Rumpelstiltskin? Ever heard of him? Now this is a story about a little guy, little elf kind of character. And Rumpelstiltskin could take straw and on the old-fashioned type spinning wheels, he could spin it into gold. He could take something very mundane, something very ordinary, and he could make something extraordinary. That's what Paul's saying. We look at work and we just think, this is work. <laughs> just ordinary, going to work. And Paul's saying, put that in the hands of God. And he could take something very ordinary and he'll make something extraordinary out of it. So do the will of God. See, what we've got to keep in mind is God is working in you. God is working through you. And you know what God is always looking for? What God is always looking for? He's looking for a way to break into a world that's locked up in sin. and selfishness. And God wants to pick the lock. And he wants to get inside. She knew who he's going to use. He's going to use you. And you know what he wants you to use to pick the lock? Love and grace. Same way he broke into your world. A person was asked on one occasion, What do you do? This person was a Christian. And his response was, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, skillfully disguised as a welder. It's not the task that identifies us. And it's not just the work that gives us meaning. We're obedient slaves of Jesus Christ. The second phrase he uses is from the heart. And the Greek word carries with it the idea of wholeheartedly, and it means well-minded. It means 
You've thought about it. (laughs) And you've got good intentions about it. And this is what you're trying to do. So you put your mind and your heart into it. What's that sound like? Remember on one occasion they came to Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment? What did He say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Think about it. With sincerity of heart. Knowing that you're serving the Lord. The third phrase he uses is, whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Now some translations say, the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. Now, a lot of commentators, when they write about that, and they think about reward, there's kind of a leap they make. There's kind of a jump they make. And they say, well, that's talking about when Jesus Christ returns, and then He's going to repay us for whatever we've done. Well, there's certainly a truth to that contained within the Scriptures. That's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. For we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things we've done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. But I think there's more to this than thinking about that. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. But I just want to ask you this question. As you read this section, and he says, slaves obey your masters, and he's talking about being obedient and doing the will of God and being from the heart, and then he says, whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. What's the context? Is it the second coming? No. <laughs> Talk about work. I believe what he suggested, when these attitudes are applied in your current situation, it solves a lot of problems. There's a lot of benefits. And that can be immediate. And this is how you deal with the thorns and the thistles now. So another way to say it is, applying godly principles to our work, we realize work isn't just about reward. It's about compensation. Whatever good we strive to do, we'll receive back something similar. What Paul says, we'll receive back the same from the Lord. So it translates like this. Put in good, you get back good. Put in good, you get back good. Whatever good you do, you will receive the same from the Lord. Now that's a principle that is taught throughout Scripture too. You know what principle that is? That principle is you're going to reap what you sow. Same principle. 
Now think about this though. It doesn't necessarily say that you will receive back good from your boss or from your job. And you say, wait a minute, I thought that was what it was all about. <laughs> That's not what he says. He said, whatever good you do, you will receive back from the Lord, from God. And I think that's where a lot of folks then jump to the second coming. And what I'm saying is you don't have to go all the way to the second coming to understand what Paul is saying. You put in good, you'll get something good back from God. He'll compensate you. Well, how is that? Well, think about it. You got thorns and thistles. And you're trying to figure out how to deal with them. It may be that that relationship improves. You took God's principle and you applied it and you received something back. Can we see that? It might change your relationship. It might change the influence that you have in your workplace. You ever seen that happen? It might change the influence and the trust that you receive from coworkers. It might lead to other opportunities. Or it may be just forming Christ in you. So God's compensation it's not always just in material rewards. There's other benefits to serving God. He can take straw and he can spin it into gold. I want to give you another illustration. It's an article that I read recently. It's talking about a few years ago. There was a family that was asking for assistance. And they said that the house that they were living in didn't have electricity. It did not have running water. They were using an outside toilet and they were heating with a stove in which they could burn coal. I read that. And then I kind of chuckled. Now I'm not chuckling <laughs> about their condition and situation that they were living in. What I chuckled about was this. That sounds a lot like the house I was born in. Some people might think, were you from a third world country? <laughs> no, I was from a third world county. <laughs> Gentry County, Missouri. It was only a few years before I was born in that house that one of my other bro older brothers was telling me about. He remembers the first time he came home and saw a light 
coming from inside that house. They had installed electricity. I lived in that house till I was about 10 years old. We never had running water. We never had an indoor bathroom. And these folks had a stove in which they could burn coal. We burned wood. They'd better off than we were. <laughs> but this is the thing. Sometimes we might look at that today and we think, oh my goodness. They're just so lacking in modern day conveniences and luxuries and all these kind of things. But I look back on that and I think about all the fond memories. And I think about family and I think about security. And I think about the hard times. I think about the good times. And I think about how that bonded us together. Could we have asked for material blessings? I guess so, and we probably did at times. <laughs> but there are other things that were provided that's better than gold. So Paul says, whatever good anybody does, he will receive the same from the Lord. He wants us to understand. Compensation comes in a lot of ways. And it's not always material. So finally, rethinking masters and their role. And I'm not going to spend much time on that because... In verse 9, Paul says, And you masters, listen to what he says. And you masters, do the same things to them. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So what did he just say? Paul said, Everything that I've just told those slaves... And everything I've tried to show about God's grace, same thing goes for you. I want you to do the same thing. Be obedient with fear and trembling and in sincerity of heart. And do the will of God. Knowing that whatever good each one does, he'll receive the same back from the Lord. Keeping in mind that both yours and their master is in heaven. In other words, he sees everything and that there's no partiality with him. So Paul says, give up threatening. Fear and intimidation should not be the source for motivation. God uses grace to motivate us. And that's what he's saying. So we need to rethink our work and we need to think about thorns and thistles and we need to think about the challenges we need to think about how God has taught us how to deal with those things work is a major part of our lives and God wants to work in us and he wants to work through us 
And God wants us to show His grace because we've been recipients of His grace. And God will repay whatever good anyone does. Rethinking our work. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. And if any way you need to respond to the Lord today, we'll be more than glad to help you. While together we stand and while we sing.